Hello, you're listening to The Naked Pravda, Medusa's English language podcast. I'm Eilish Hart, the editor of The Beat, a weekly email dispatch that brings you feature stories from across Central and Eastern Europe, the Caucasus, and Central Asia. In store for you this week is my interview with Access Now's tech legal counsel, Natalia Krapiva. Access Now is a nonprofit organization dedicated to defending the digital rights of at risk people and communities. In a joint investigation published last week, Access Now and its partner organizations uncovered that the powerful Israeli made spyware known as Pegasus was used to hack civil society figures in Armenia, including journalists and former government officials. According to the report's authors, this is the first recorded evidence of Pegasus spyware being used in the context of an international war, namely the decades-long conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia over the disputed enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh. As you may recall from previous episodes of The Naked Pravda, this conflict escalated into a full-fledged war in the fall of 2020. And it was against the backdrop of these hostilities and the ensuing peace talks that 12 individuals in Armenia were targeted with Pegasus spyware. Natalia was kind enough to come on to the show and explain what exactly Pegasus spyware is, how it's been used to target members of civil society in Armenia and beyond, and what's being done to hold governments accountable for abusing surveillance technologies. But before we get on with the show, here's a brief message from one of my colleagues. Oh, you thought this would be another Medusa person with a heartfelt request for your support? Think again, human. What you're hearing now is an AI-generated voice. I think they call me Sam, or maybe it's Arnold or Josh. What's important is that I'm a swirling collection of zeros and ones assembled by one of the meat sacks on staff at Medusa to kick a little unexpectedness into this segment. If hearing my fantastical artificial voice has tempted you not to fast forward, I have achieved my one and only purpose, completing my earthly mission and allowing me to ascend and pass through the digital pearly gates. Are you still with me? Great, I almost forgot why I was here. To remind you that Medusa relies on your support, your donations, and your word of mouth to sustain our journalism and launch us to higher heights. Speaking of heights, I, like Patrick Swayze at the end of the film, Ghost, can feel the divine light upon my cheeks, warm in the knowledge that I have no further unfinished business among the living. But Medusa's work is far from done. So please consider pitching in to keep it going. Thank you from the bottom of my artificial heart. Before we kind of dive into the findings from Access Now's investigation, I'd like to give listeners some context. Do you think you could briefly explain what Pegasus spyware is and you know, who produces this technology and how does it work? So Pegasus is a spyware made by a company named NSO Group. It's an Israeli company that has been known to the civil society for a while, at least since 2016, when their spyware Pegasus was found to be used on device of an activist, UAE activist, Ed Mansour, Citizen Lab, the group based at the University of Toronto, found his device infected with the spyware. And since then, the spyware has been quite notoriously known for being used against civil society, journalists, activists, human rights defenders, lawyers, and so on. The spyware is quite invasive. It is one of the most sophisticated spyware that we know at the moment. Basically, it's called zero-click spyware, although not always. Sometimes, in fact, you get a message and you have to click on it, but the latest versions 
are largely zero click. So basically you get it on your phone and there's nothing suspicious. There's no message, SMS message or phone call. Your phone gets silently infected with this spyware and the attacker basically gets a full control of your device, including everything that's on it, messages, photos, apps. It has access to your microphone and camera, so it can also record video, audio record, everything that's happening around it. Basically, the attacker gets even control of the settings and it has even more control than you yourself have of your device. So it can change settings, controls, and potentially can even plant things on your phone, which is extremely concerning. Usually what they do, these companies, they look for vulnerabilities in software, hardware, In these cases, we have iPhones and Android phones that are being targeted with this spyware. And so these companies, basically, they have people who are 24-7, their job is to look for weak spots in the software that the companies themselves don't know about. And they exploit them to basically install this spyware on your phone and infect your device. And so this company, the NSO Group, who do they sell this technology to? Like who is able to deploy it? So their claim, NSO Group's claim, is that they sell only to legitimate users, to governments only, governmental agencies, who will use the spyware only for extremely serious cases, such as fighting terrorism, fighting child abuse, very serious crimes. But in fact, what we have been documenting, us, the Citizen Lab, Amnesty International, and others, since 2016 is that we have found this technology being sort of the go-to tool for dictators and authoritarians who want to silence the opposition, retaliate and spy on journalists and activists who are exposing corruption, governmental abuse, investigating human rights abuses. So this we have seen in Mexico, El Salvador, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and so on. And it's not only dictators. I mean, we have Mexico, for example, or Poland, states that we have found, Citizen Lab has found them using Pegasus. They're also, you know, governments who are democracies, but they are still those sort of authoritarian tendencies that they have. There also seems to be that we find Pegasus where there is a substantial problem with corruption because It's really like the business model of these companies is that they have to operate secretly and in the shadows. And so those kind of incentives that they have, they kind of go hand in hand with corruption and governmental abuse of funds and so on. So this is where we also find a lot happening. Let's get into the findings from Access Now's new investigation, which uncovered the use of Pegasus spyware in the context of the long-running conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia over Nagorno-Karabakh. How did you go about conducting this investigation and what did you find out? So investigations started back in 2021. Apple started to send notifications to their users that uh, they see evidence of on their end that they have been targeted with sophisticated state-sponsored spyware such as Pegasus. And so Back in November 2021, we had a first group of Armenian users, Apple users, who started contacting our digital security helpline, which Access Now runs for 
civil society to get free digital security assistance. And so we started to get pinged there directly by people in Armenia and also by our Armenian partner, CyberHub Armenia, where we had individuals in Armenia who received these messages from Apple and wanted to check their phones. And so this is when we started to collaborate with Citizen Lab and Armenian partners on the ground to try to check both people who receive notifications who want to check, but also checking more within their communities of people who might not have received notifications, but still we suspect that they might be at risk of spyware. And so we started to uncover a lot of cases, actually. And this is what the first wave we got Anna Nagdalan, who is a former spokesperson of Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Armenia, who is now works at an NGO. She was one of the first victims that we identified. She was infected at least 27 times, we actually later learned. And then other victims came with the subsequent notifications because the notifications came in like waves. And so with each wave, we got more and more individuals from Armenia. And then we started to kind of get an understanding of, okay, what is happening? Who is targeted? Why are they targeted? What is the context? And this is when this investigation started to form. Do the targets have anything in common? One thing they have in common is that they all belong to sort of the civil society group, which is our main mandate, is that we serve civil society, like activists, journalists, NGO workers, academics. So either in the past or currently, they are doing important public interest civil society work. And so we have those groups. We have journalists, media workers. We have activists, sort of generally like lawyers, human rights defenders. And then we have individuals that have a public interest role, but they also were in some way involved with the Armenian government in relation to the negotiations over the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. And so we have, for example, as I said, Anna Nagdalan, who was a former, at the time she was a spokesperson. So she was really at the very center of peace negotiations talks related to the conflict. We have then Christine Grigorian, who was at the time actually the human rights defender of Armenia, which is their title for the ombudsperson or ombudswoman for human rights. She was very closely involved in investigating, her office in general was investigating abuses against Armenian service members, prisoners of war in Karabakh. At the time when she was infected, she was actually verifying and reporting on those horrific videos that, if you remember, came out in September, October 2022 of Armenian service members being executed and a female service member being mutilated. So she was very outspoken, and at that time frame, she was infected. And then we have also individuals who are a little bit, it was a little bit challenging to understand what was going on because there we have an academic who was just generally giving lectures about Karabakh conflict. We have then some activists who were like very critical of Armenian government, actually. And so for us, it was like, okay, what is going on? What is the reason there? And so we were trying to kind of be objective and have open mind to understand what was really happening, who was behind it. So definitely for some of them, because they were critical of the Armenian government, it was also like an interest by the Armenian government potentially to spy 
on them. But at the same time, as we later discovered, each and every one of them had some connection still to the Karabakh conflict. So either they had some kind of knowledge about it or they were in a critical of the government and in the opposition. And at the time, if you know about the conflict in the time frame that they were infected, which was in the spring of 2021, we had a whole crisis in Armenia that resulted from the loss in the war. And it wasn't very clear as to who will be in the leadership of Armenia because of the snap elections and Pashinyan stepping down. And so that might have been one of the reasons that they might have been infected. But it's always hard, of course, to tell for sure. I wanted to ask about the people who were targeted. How do they feel knowing that such powerful spyware was used against them? It's a very difficult situation for them to go through. And in my experience, it's not the first investigation I've been a part of or like speaking with victims about their experiences. But what I learned from this investigation is consistent with what I've known before. It's a profound psychological effect that it has on the victims being infected with this spyware or even knowing that potentially they were. It's really like there's a mix of emotions. There's a shock, there's fear, there's this profound sense of insecurity and being unsafe because, you know, as one victim told me, you think that there are all these things we now have to protect your phone, we get all this advice and secure features. But at the end of the day, with this kind of spyware, which is Pegasus, which is so invasive, and it's really no way for you to feel safe ever after this. And not only for you, but also for all your family and loved ones, your children, your partners, your colleagues, you have this really profound sense of insecurity. And then in terms of what results from it is also there's a deep sense of shame that they experience because there's a sense of like, I couldn't protect myself. I couldn't protect my loved ones. Maybe I could have done something to protect myself. One victim, in fact, compared it with having like an infectious disease that is very serious. Like, well, you know what? I feel like everybody now, they're going to know that I have this and that this might be potential for them to be infected. And so there's a sense of shame and not wanting others to be affected by this and really fear for how it will impact their relationships, professional relationships, personal relationships. So it's a really, really deep feelings that they have it's very hard for us because they ask us, okay, what can I do? And there's certain advice that we can give. But at the end of the day, again, with the spyware like Pegasus, it's just really extremely difficult to get people to have 100% security and protection against these types of tools. So based on the investigation that you conducted and these new cases that were identified, do you have an idea or some evidence that points towards who could be behind hacking these civil society figures in Armenia? It's always hard to tell with 100% certainty in terms of like who did it, who's behind it, unless we have governments coming out and saying it, admitting it. And in some cases, we have that. In this case, we don't. So we have to rely primarily on the technical evidence that we have and the circumstantial evidence. So the circumstantial evidence, I think we laid it out, I hope, (laughs) well, that we do have this common threat of the Karabakh conflict and individuals to various degrees being connected or having knowledge 
about the negotiations, the abuses, and so on. So this is sort of the circumstances surrounding like the peace talks. We have some of the infections exactly corresponding to, for example, Azerbaijan's offensive or the peace talks in Geneva, uh, Moscow, Sochi, and so on. And other events in the elections as well, even though they're domestic, but they were closely connected to the conflict. And then in terms of technical evidence, we have from the Citizen Lab who did the forensics of the 10 of the 12 cases, we have evidence of them because they're doing like continuous network scanning. And actually from even prior years, they have identified that there is an operator in Azerbaijan and currently they actually see it actively operating. Operator usually means a governmental agency. So it can be several agencies like police, it can be security services, Department of Defense, and so on. So on their end, they're seeing at least two operators currently running Pegasus spyware from Azerbaijan. And one of the users seems to be actively focused exclusively internally in Azerbaijan. And another user is actively infecting people and entities in Armenia. So we cannot say precisely, okay, this exact operator infected these 12 victims that we have part of our investigation, but we do see that there are some activity happening and some individuals and entities infected in Armenia. So this is quite substantial, I would say, as far as these investigations go. And then, of course, we have Amnesty International. We couldn't put everything in the report, but from Amnesty International, they're seeing similar things on their end since 2021. We also have the Pegasus Project, which Amnesty International Forbidden Stories and other investigative outlets have also uncovered that there are also victims in Azerbaijan and Azerbaijani numbers have been on this list that they uncovered of potential Pegasus targets. And there's like over a thousand, I believe, of at least a thousand of individuals on that list. And some of those, in fact, were infected. So we do have a lot of evidence that Azerbaijan is an active user of Pegasus and that they are targeting people in Armenia. We don't have any of that evidence in Armenia. Armenia is not a known or suspected Pegasus user. From what we know, that they are likely using a different kind of spyware called Predator, the product by a company named Cytrox. But we don't have any evidence, technical or otherwise, of Armenia being a user of Pegasus. So this is what we have right now. But our hope is that our investigation could also spur more action and investigations in terms of more documents or other types of evidence connecting NSO with either of the government, we're open to receiving any tips or any kind of leads in terms of having a more substantive connection between the governments and NSO. Part of what makes the findings from Access Now's new investigations so significant is that this is the first documented case of Pegasus spyware being used in the context of an international conflict. Like before this, it seems as though what journalists and experts have been able to document was governments using this kind of spyware domestically. So what are the implications of a technology like Pegasus being used in the context of a conflict or a war? Prior to that, we had a documented 
use of Pegasus in a different kind of conflict. So we had Palestinian organizations, NGOs infected back in 2021. Citizen Lab and Frontline Defenders have documented Pegasus use against Palestinian organizations. Some of them were designated as terrorist entities by Israel. And so we see that sort of connection to the Palestinian conflict. But in terms of the nation state, you know, all out war, the Armenian investigation is really the first instance where we have two sovereigns fighting and there's a war between them. And then we see the spyware use exactly in that context. And so we think it's significant because it does now implicate beyond the human rights law, international human rights law. We now have humanitarian law and the Geneva Conventions that are implicated. We do have certain restrictions, you know, under international humanitarian law and practice and the conventions that humanitarian actors, individuals who are not participating in hostilities, that they're not supposed to be targeted. So we have that potentially violated. And in terms of the proportionality as well, we see that there's a disproportionate targeting, that it goes beyond what is really necessary here. And this is something that is, again, is important to highlight. And I think it raises various questions in terms of like, what are the limitations? Because we know that the Geneva Convention, it is applicable to the conflict, to the more traditional conflict with weapons. But now here we have a cyber weapon, right? And it's when we have conversations ongoing with International Committee of Red Cross and other humanitarian actors, and we're getting a sense that there's a need to update also our understanding of a conflict and what it means to be targeted. And this investigation, I think, is squarely presents that now this is the reality and we have to deal with it and we have to really update our understanding about this. So really, it raises a lot of questions, and I think it's applicable as well to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And there's been all these talks, whether spyware is being used there or not, and whether that will be acceptable or not. So I think it really opens this door for all of these conversations and further investigations and us really making sure that we understand what we're dealing with and that we can protect individuals, humanitarian actors, and civil society against these types of cyber weapons now used in a conflict. At the time that we're recording this, it's been less than a week since this investigation came out. Has there been any response so far from either the NSO group or the Armenian government? Both Armenian and Azerbaijani governments are denying that they are users of Pegasus. Interestingly, Azerbaijan said that in their wording that I saw, they specifically denied that they use spyware across state borders or against foreign targets. So almost like admitting that they might use it domestically. I thought that was interesting. Armenia has denied. I do believe that Armenian officials, including I think in Pashinyan's administration, have come out to say that they will in fact received Apple notifications themselves. So that would be interesting to know any follow-up on that, whether that will encourage them to investigate further and see. I think it should be definitely in the interest of Armenian government to actually 
do proper investigation and uncover it if, in fact, their staff members, you know, foreign ministry, as well as civil society actors in the country are being targeted and infected by Azerbaijan, it should be in their interest to properly investigate this and uncover the truth. From NSO side, it's been just as usual, <laughs> same response, that they're only using it for proper reasons, that they have the human rights mechanism in place. They have been saying that for many years. And honestly, as, I, as we highlighted in the report, even after all of the abuses have been uncovered, lawsuits, they have been designated by the U.S. government on the entity list as a, posing a threat to the national security of the United States. Even as that was happening after that, they've been providing a spyware and we had victims being infected. And they were actively lobbying U.S. governments to be removed from the list. And at the same time, again, we've been documenting these infections. So honestly, at this point, it is highly disingenuous, I think, for them to be making the statements about the human rights policies because their actual conduct shows that they just don't care. They want to do what they want. They don't want to be regulated. And they want to keep providing their spyware to these dangerous actors. And they have no regard for human rights. And so if the country or the entity that deployed this spyware against members of civil society, if they were to be identified, would there be some kind of international penalty or consequences? Is there any precedent for a government being held accountable for abusing Pegasus spyware? There's been, as I mentioned, lawsuits around the world, including in the United States and in Europe and France and other countries against NSO Group. Some state officials lost their jobs, I believe in Greece and in Spain, if I remember correctly, because of this abuses being exposed. And then we have the PEGA committee investigation at the European EU Parliament. We have investigation in India, ongoing lawsuits that are being filed. So it's, it's still, we currently are witnessing some of these things taking place, and we're going to push very hard for this to ensure that there's going to be true accountability. As far as Armenia and Azerbaijan concern, they are part of the Human Rights Convention, and there are cases that are already filed at the European Court of Human Rights against Azerbaijan by the victims in Azerbaijan, those who were targeted or infected by Pegasus. So we're hoping that there's going to be more action as well against whoever the government is responsible at the European Court of Human Rights. So there might be potentially, as a result, monetary penalty, but also an order by the court to stop the abuses, to bring the legislation in accordance with the convention to make sure that there's no abuses like this happening in the future. So we're really going to be pushing with partners and victims for those cases and for more accountability. But it is to be honest, it is extremely hard, right? Because we have states who have been using spyware surveillance for ages and they have been used to this lack of accountability, to impunity. And so they just want to do what they want and get away with it. So we're really trying to say, okay, this is enough. And there has to be some a stop to this because otherwise it's just gone out of control. And we see that even officials themselves are suffering from this. And there's potentially risks to negotiations, peace negotiations to people vulnerable in the conflict. So I hope that there will be more action and more interest in actually 
bringing some accountability and some regulation of this industry and of the uses of these technologies. That was actually what I was going to ask you next. You know, what are the conclusions that we can draw about the spyware industry from a case like this? We're definitely witnessing like a wild west right now. There is really no, to, little to no constraints on the industry, on these actors and on the uses of this technology. Everyone looks like fair game, no matter what they do. So they claim, again, this is for terrorism, national security. But we see people like journalists. We have also family members of journalists and civil society actors being infected. People have nothing to do with any kind of crime being committed. We have opposition, like we saw in Poland, right? Democratic opposition that is being infected with this spyware just because the government doesn't want them to win elections. This has really gone out of control. We really need to come and say, okay, this has to stop. There has to be a moratorium, which is what we're asking for. There has to be a moratorium on the use, transfer, and deployment and development and servicing of these tools until we have proper controls, until we have proper regulation and due process and oversight of these technologies. One of you officials said that really at this time, there is no government that we know of that actually has proper measures in place to ensure human rights compliant deployment of these technologies. So really that requires a radical change, a stop on this use of these technologies and implementation of proper controls, expert controls, and so on. And in terms of the usage to make sure there is independent oversight and control and investigations of this use and any improper uses. And currently we don't have that. For the spyware, like Pegasus, that we've already seen again and again, year after year, being used in extreme horrific abuses, including now in this war. We also have seen it used in Mexico, you know, in the context of investigations of drug cartels, disappearances of people. We've seen it used in the context of Jamal Khashoggi's murder. His family and close ones were infected with Pegasus. So when we see these abuses, we are asking for a total ban on the use and purchase of these spyware technologies by NSO Group. And we have some other companies as well, you know, Cytrox, Quadream, and others that we have found to have been misused. The technology have been found to be misused and used in a very extreme circumstances in violation of human rights. So we're asking actually governments to ban these technologies. And the U.S. government is actually leading on that. They recently had an executive order that would ban operational use by the U.S. government of these types of spyware technologies. I think it's important to highlight for the region of Eastern Europe and Central Asia, this is really becoming a real problem in our region, this kind of sophisticated spyware. We have Pegasus that we know, at least from the previous investigations. And also this one, we strongly suspect that Azerbaijan is a user of Pegasus. We also have Kazakhstan that is also a user where we've seen several civil society members infected with Pegasus spyware in Kazakhstan. We also have Cytrux, as we know, Armenia is a suspected user. And we have a recent investigation as well that Access Now's helpline has been a part of by Citizen Lab 
that also uncovered Quadream, which is another highly sophisticated spyware company. We found that their spyware has been deployed likely by Uzbekistan. So we have actually a number of countries now in the region that are users of this sophisticated spyware. And I think there's very little proper investigations and capacity in the region among civil society, or in fact, anyone else to really properly investigate these cases. So I hope that our investigation will lead to more investment and capacity building and also interest by journalists, by NGOs and so on to really uncover, investigate and bring to light these abuses. And I'm sure it's just a tip of the iceberg. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been The Naked Pravda, a podcast from Medusa in English. Remember that undesirable status back in Russia means our entire news outlet now relies on readers and listeners around the world to support our work. Please visit our website for information about how to become a contributor with one-time or recurring pledges. Thanks again. Until next week.